0: Bonjour, chers amis, hello, dear friends, et bienvenue, welcome to the Paris Lessons. I received so many amazing questions over the past week. Remember that I invited you a couple of weeks ago to start sending me in questions for the podcast, so all you have to do is email me, just please put the subject, uh, the Paris Lessons, question to make sure that it gets filed away correctly so that I can answer it in the podcast. And it just has to be related to really anything that you've heard me talk about in the podcast. Uh, It could be related to life in Paris, French language, French lifestyle, or even things that are more personal that you've heard me mention here On the podcast or anywhere on social media. And voila, chers amis. So I received many amazing questions, and I was trying to decide which one to answer in this week's episode. And I decided, you know what, let's just make this week's episode dedicated to these great questions. Also, too, in the hopes of inspiring you to not hesitate to send me more or to send me your first question if you haven't yet. So Here we go. Bonsoir, Karienne. It's been wonderful following you along on your travels. Looks like you had the most beautiful time. I've been so enjoying the return of the Paris lessons, and I am so excited to be able to send in our questions again. Since signing up for Comprehensive, I haven't been joining you in the monthly membership as I am focusing on working through the book and exercises but i have to say i have so missed our email on the first of the month with les réponses on the 15th a little ritual of listening to them with a glass of wine on my back porch so this is this opportunity is lovely for those of you who are working through any of my French language programs, like my beginners course or my comprehensive course, also known as the refresher course. Remember that the membership is also intended to be a complement to that. The workload is much lighter. So just food for thought. So she's just finished The Alchemist or L'Alchimiste, one of my favorite books in any language, And she says that her question is around food, which you touched upon actually in tonight's episode. In the last year, and especially the last few months, I have really tried to bring more simple joy and beauty into our daily lives. And part of this has been eating, drinking, and cooking with a lot more thought, passion, and excitement, which has been lovely. And by the way, very, very French, Mabel. I touch on that a lot in my Living With Food, The French Way course. I think that you know as someone who lived in los angeles for 6 years and was working in as as an actress i can i mean my the my relationship to food has changed so much which is really interesting because actually in in california but especially in los angeles people do eat very, in a very quote unquote healthy way but i was so focused on also, maintaining a certain weight. Actually, more than that, I was so focused on looking a certain way that uh, I wasn't eating in a. I wasn't, well, first of all, I wasn't really enjoying food. I was more eating in a healthy way because, like I said, I wanted to keep a certain weight. I wanted to look a certain way. Um, I was actually quite a bit thinner than I am now. When I look back at photos, um, you know, I wouldn't say that I was too thin then, but, um, you know, I think that those extra, you know, five or 10 pounds that we talk about a lot, I had to work really hard to keep that off. And now I'm more in a place where I enjoy food. I eat in a more intuitive way. Uh, I love to cook. I just, it's, I listen to my body a lot more and I'm focused a lot more on how I feel versus on how I look, which I think is a very, very good thing. So this student's question or this listener's question, do you have any suggestions from your recent travels and food experiences on maintaining your desired weight, please? Thank you so much as always. I absolutely do. So again, I would focus on maintaining your desired feeling in your body or feeling in your clothes. I couldn't even tell you how much I weigh right now. I stopped weighing myself. Um, I mean, sometimes, I mean, I think I, I, I have an idea, but I really only weigh myself when I go for my physical every year. I like to focus more on just how I feel, how I feel in my clothes. That's usually a pretty great indicator how those jeans are fitting. Um, and knowing, you know, and I give myself a certain amount of wiggle room when, you know, when I'm on vacation and traveling, enjoying, I talk about it in my living with food, the French way course. There's, there are certain questions I ask myself when I'm eating when I'm not hungry. You know, if I'm eating for, you know, pure gourmandise or just the love of food, as we say in French, which we do around les fêtes, the holidays or when we're traveling. So I ask myself, do I know what this tastes like? So that generally, if I'm just eating because I'm Nervous or I'm bored or I'm procrastinating or or I'm engaging in a social ritual, which is like which is a really important to be to be eating, actually, especially in French culture. It's a it is a very much a social thing, which is part of why I had to learn to just live to to I had to learn to live with intuitive eating versus living around maintaining a certain weight because it just doesn't really work well in French culture because so much of being social and connecting with people is around food and really enjoying great food and great beverages. So do I know what this tastes like? So that usually gets rid of 95% of whatever it is I'm about to eat, even though I know I'm not hungry. So you'll hear me talk a lot about eating about asking myself if I'm hungry. That's that's a that's a major thing, you know, because I actually, for for a long time, uh, I really wrestled with you know avoiding gluten and you know trying to avoid other foods like any dairy that comes from cows. Which you know I do know now that my body definitely appreciates it when I eat less gluten and when I consume dairy products that come from sheep's sheep's pardon me from sheep and and uh, goats, which is really easy to do in France because there's so many great. Yogurts and cheeses that come from the milk from those animals. Um, You know, however, I don't need to completely avoid them in order to feel great in my body. I just need to be mindful of the fact that certain things are more difficult for my body to digest and eat in a more intuitive way. And so, you know, not force myself if I'm not hungry, if my body hasn't finished processing those things. I realized that um, that's really what my body was having trouble with. And that was confirmed by my French doctor, who I, you've probably heard me talk about him before. He's straight out of a movie. He's fantastic. Um, my my general, general doctor, I'll come back to his advice regarding this in a second. Um, so have I, do I know what this tastes like? Usually the answer is yes. So then, um, you know, am I eating par gourmandise? Am I just eating because... I want to eat or am I being social or whatever? okay, then that's fine as long as I know why I'm why I'm eating right? If I'm not hungry. Um, but if I don't know what something tastes like, interesting. so this is when it comes into like you know how to how to feel you know it's not so much about how to maintain your weight, but it's about you know how to keep the balance of enjoying life and you know and also not overdoing things because what you want to do is you want to know when, It's okay to overdo things with food and those those instances are few and far between. So if you really only overdo it or, you know, eat par every once in a while, then it's not a problem. So if I don't know what something tastes like, the next question, will I easily be able to taste this again? So this is really important. So if this is something that's a local dish when I'm traveling, chances are no. So I'm going to go for it. If this is something that someone's, you know, made from scratch for a dinner party, then you know, no, so I'll go for it. So I had uh, a physical with my French doctor this summer, and he's also a nutritionist. And I love when I meet with him because he gives great advice, but also, it always exposes to me, you know, my sort of more American paradigm of approaching food and health and nutrition versus the French one. Because usually I go to him thinking he's going to give me some magical solution or, you know, or something like a, um, some sort of a medicine to take, or, you know, even a helpful supplement, which he has actually a helpful herbal supplement just for digestion. But usually his advice is incredibly common sense advice. And this is very in line with French culture, because they, um, you know, they'll always reach for a more natural or a lifestyle oriented solution before a a medicinal solution in the Western sense. So I was just feeling so bloated and, and really frustrated because I had cut down on gluten. Um, and he just said, he said, you know, you need to just be more conscious of things like gassy foods, like, you know, Obviously, the things that I love, salad, any kind of like greens or cabbage, you know, things that are quote unquote, good for you. So this is what I mean when I say when I was living in Los Angeles, I was eating to look a certain way to maintain a certain weight, but I was loading up on the salad. So no wonder I still felt kind of unhealthy all the time. I didn't feel great in my body because I happen to have a body that um, that responds that you know doesn't really appreciate those kinds of foods as much it turns out even though it's a great way to keep a certain weight and then the the next advice he gave me which was really important he said remember that the way that you chew remember that chewing is a hugely important part of the digestion the process of digestion and he said you need to chew slowly You need to chew your food really, really well before you swallow it. And that's what I've been doing. And I've given that advice to other girlfriends since, and it's the most common sense advice, but it really helps to help your digestion. But it also helps you to just eat in A, a more conscious way, because you're really tasting and enjoying and savoring the food more. But B, I think we all eat, we all, you know, consume a lot more quickly than our bodies are able to digest. So we've probably already chewed and swallowed a lot of food before our the rest of our body can give us the signal, hey, I'm not hungry anymore, or hey, I'm feeling full now. And so it's been really, really helpful in both of those aspects. So I would encourage you to ask yourself those questions have I, do I know what this tastes like? If not, will it be easy for me to taste it again soon? But then also just focus more on how you feel in your body, focus less on a certain weight, because that will just, that will just really take the enjoyment out of food. If you're focusing on keeping a certain weight, um, I would actually encourage you to, to not weigh yourself for a month or even three months and then, you know, just chew your food more slowly chew your food completely You'll realize that you're then going to be that person who still has a half plate full of food when everyone else is finished. But that's not a bad thing. That might, you know, I've noticed lately that helps other people to to consider. Oh wow, am I eating too quickly? We all generally eat very very quickly, and it's really hard on our stomachs to not have that food um, chewed very very well. Next question. So the student actually asked a question that I thought I would answer Or this listener who's also a student here. She was wondering if I was going to offer my French authors, poets, and philosophers class in English. And ma belle, vous lisez dans mes pensées. You are reading my mind. I have been considering doing it. If you're someone who's interested in that. So this was a, a class that I taught uh, uh, earlier this year where each week I took you through a different French author or a poet or a philosopher, but it was mainly in French for my more advanced French students. And I would love to teach a class like this in English. So if this is interesting to you, if you're interested in this rather, please just send me an email and put in the subject um, French Authors, Poets, and Philosophers, And I will let you know what my plans are for that class. The next question comes from a listener who's also a student who shares with me, um, how her husband was a pilot and they were able because of this to have many, many, many international adventures. That sounds amazing. And she wanted to know what my thoughts were on packing lightly, how French women pack lightly. I think that, um, So two things you have to, and I've noticed this with my French friends, and this is something I've really, really embraced. Remember what I always say. And those of you who have taken my French confidence, uh, course, for example, have heard me say this before you are, you are so much more interesting than how you look or what you're wearing. Right. And, and not, and actually what you're wearing should just be a compliment to, to, you know, you, your energy, your glow. So you really, in order to pack lightly, which I love, I actually have to I have to share. I have to celebrate something with you right now. I want to celebrate something with you right now. So I used to be notorious for being the person who always had just so much stuff with her, just stuff. You can even hear in the way that I say stuff, this sort of like it just makes everything, especially when you're going through mo- to multiple cities, it just makes the travel bit so cumbersome. And this summer on all the travels I did, everyone kept saying wow that's all you have wow how did you do that so the way i did that the way i do that now is i've i'm very i'm just i'm almost obsessed with having as little as possible and this is a great thing too because actually you know if you've taken my french finances course this is a great way to you know save money here and there because when you don't need to check a bag when you're really adhering to the weight restrictions um not only are you, you know, keeping some of your money, but you're also just able to travel in a way that feels so light. And to me, that feels very, very chic. So you've got to be okay with basically wearing a variation of the same thing every day. Also one of my, and so that means, you know, and that's where the French capsule wardrobe is great because it's very conservative. It's just a lot of basics, you know, jeans, white t-shirt or, or a white button up shirt, uh, maybe a blazer. So, my personal tips for traveling lightly is you've got to do the best you can to get all of your toiletries down into mini sizes. So, I've done the thing where I have, you know, the the smaller bottles and I just put whatever, however much of the product I need into those bottles. You also don't need to necessarily take all of your daily beauty skincare routine with you when you go away. Um, I have these wonderful suitcases that are really light. One's tiny, it's smaller than even what they'll allow you to take as a carry on that's what I took to Greece. Um, also pay attention to the materials of the clothes that you are bringing. So for example, this summer, it was great because, um, I was able to take a lot of things that were thinner material, like thin cotton or silk. Um, linen is a wonderful material, but it's sort of bulky and it's actually quite heavy. So, um, you know, I had, for example, um, when I was traveling this summer, when I was doing the road trip and when I went to Greece, I had my button up white linen shirt, which is, which was great. If you noticed in the, in what I was sharing on Instagram in the stories, I wore that a lot. It's also a great thing that can be hand washed. Um, I only had one pair of jeans with me. So you have to really be mindful of, you know, how thick and how heavy the material of the items that you're packing are. Silk scarves are a wonderful way to jazz up your your daily outfit, either by using them as a head wrap or around your neck or a headband or as a belt, and they pack up into these teeny, 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 tiny little little balls or little little knots so that's just great. Uh one of the things that I always have with me that's that does take up some weight and a little bit of room but it's really what I would classify under one of my power moves when it comes to feeling chic when you travel, traveling lightly and and liking the way that you're presenting yourself is my travel steamer and you can find those you can find those really anywhere. Just do a search on travel travel steamer, and you can find them. When I lived in the states, I had one from Bed Bath and Beyond. The one that I have here in France, I think I got on uh, French Amazon, and that changes everything. And that's how I'm able to travel with silk shirts and you know a linen shirt and still feel you know and, and look presentable. Another one of my power moves: always have a black blazer with you because that will dress up anything that you have. And a pair of statement earrings. I love big earrings. All you need is one pair and that can sort of dress up or jazz up anything that you're wearing. Try not to pack repeat items. So for example, when I was packing for Greece, there was another button up shirt I really wanted to bring. But I already had one. And so that's just the way it is. You can't travel with all the options that you have at home. That's part of the fun. You also want to have room in your suitcase in case there's anything you find that you want to bring back with you, right? Um, What else could I say about traveling lightly? I think the biggest thing mentally is to just to approach having few things with you, having few options as a game. It's fun. You're just going to really lean into, literally, and love those pieces that you bring with you. Something else that I've started doing, which has yet to fail me, is. I always pack a turtleneck, a long sleeve turtleneck, and I have a great one that's sort of thin, so it rolls up really tightly. Because whether you're on a plane or all of a sudden the temperature, you know, sort of drops where you are, I had it on my road trip. That's what I was wearing out at night in San Sebastian. Um, I'm also someone who tends to get a little chilly easily. That's something that it just, it's just useful, and then you don't end up, you know, buying a sweatshirt somewhere that you're probably never going to wear. Again, so those are my best tips. And then, um, like I said, my luggage is in in and of itself. It's very light. I also have um, a a luggage uh, weight, a luggage scale that I travel with. That's quite light, and you just weigh your luggage by. There's a strap that um, straps onto the top of your luggage, and you lift it, and it weighs it for you. So you don't have anxiety about being over the limit for the whatever airline you're traveling or not. And that's it. And it just makes things so much easier, especially, especially when you're going to multiple destinations. And this same listener also says that she would love my suggestions for French and English reading as far as philosophy, poetry or even music is concerned. So as far as music goes, I think many of you already know on Spotify there is a channel French is beautiful now. So just search French is beautiful on Spotify. There are quite a few lists based on, you know, mood and feeling of music in French and then I also throughout my travels added a span- Spanish is beautiful playlist to the French is beautiful channel. And there's also a Greek is beautiful playlist on the French is beautiful channel. And I'll probably make an Italian one soon. As far as philosophical reading goes, um, I would really recommend someone who I love a lot is Blaise Pascal. I actually talk about him in one of the lessons in the French poets, philosophers and, uh, and author's course writers, I think is how I call it, not authors. Um, You could read him in French or in English. I find him to be very accessible. There are some philosophers that have more of a theological influence than others. He happens to be one of them, in part because of the time in which he lived. Um, French writers. I really, really love George, George Sand, and she's been translated quite a bit in English. So for those of you who don't read in French, I would actually start with, with those two for now. Next one. So this is from a listener who's also a student and she was really intrigued by uh, how when I mentioned that I'm considering living in Arles for a month next summer after just the magical experience that I had being there on my road trip so let me read her question to you she says I was intrigued when you mentioned that you'd like to plan on spending a month next year in a particular travel location I wondered if in a future Paris lessons you might expand on this how does one make arrangements to stay in a location for a month do you rent a home I, oh, and then she also adds that she would love to talk about um, book recommendations. So there you go, Mabel. I just mentioned a couple, and then she actually has another question, which I'll get into in a second. So this question about living somewhere for a month—actually, it's not—it's not as expensive as you might think. So when I did this in in uh, Bordeaux, in Bordeaux, in 2017, I rented a place on Airbnb. Now, many of you might not know this. Many Airbnb owners are happy to give you a significant discount when you stay for a month or more. Why would they do this? It it's actually really um, attractive to them as an offer because they have a lot less to wor- a lot less work to do around this particular rental property. than, you know the just the communication, the you know the just everything administrative around it everything that has to do with management of the property she says i'm also trying to see how americans could do something similar but on a smaller scale since one month at a time might not work for most unfortunately maybe too expensive it's a lot less expensive than you think so it's always really important anytime you think something is going to be really really expensive Do research before you get to before you become too married to that idea. So living in Europe in general, I'm I'm always shocked when I go back to the United States. There are on on, uh, as far as like daily costs are concerned, food, etc., etc. Living in Europe is I'm not talking about London. London's incredibly expensive. (laughs) Living in Europe is much less expensive. So. Um, you know, in this, you know, includes, especially if you live in a big city in the States, you'll probably be able to find something to rent here. That's less expensive than, or equivalent to the rent that you're paying in the United States. So don't worry about it being too expensive and always be mindful when you're booking your travel, when you're booking apartments, really do as best you can to book things, book through sites that locals are using, because there's always a, you know, a premium built into sites that are geared towards tourists or towards travelers. Keep that in mind. And this trick that I mentioned, it's not even really a trick, but you know, when you just play around with it. Look on Airbnb. If you want to book something for at least a month, the discount's significant. I mean significant. I'm just working off of memory here, but I think it might be 20% sometimes, 25%. I mean you can really you can keep a lot of your money doing it that way. So that I, I hope that that inspires a lot of you. It's very doable, even if just for a week or for two weeks. I have gone through this countless times in my life already where I think that something is out of reach or I think that something's impossible. Case in point, moving to France was that for me. I thought it was going to be you know, impossible from an administrative standpoint, way too expensive. And then I started the research and I figured it out. So this listener's last question, which will be our last question for this episode. She says, in her recent Paris lessons, I believe uh, you mentioned how affordable your education currently is at the Sorbonne, and I was blown away at the difference in cost for an education in the the United States. I just assumed it would be too expensive to go to the Sorbonne. So many people have written me saying this. French culture and its respect for education is awe-inspiring. Thanks for sharing. So my program at the Sorbonne, So in general, if you want to do a master's at the Sorbonne, um, again, I'm just working from memory. It's, you know, really not more than around 500 euros a year. (laughs) Yeah, you heard me right. Mine's a little bit more expensive because I'm coming through. I'm in the same exact master's program, but I'm doing it through their continuing education program, which is excellent, which I had no idea existed. So anyone who wants to, if you, you have to, you have to, you know, speak French and, and read and write in French. But if you want to do pursue higher education here in France as an adult, there's absolutely a way to do that. When I was in their undergraduate program last year... Same thing, it's really only uh, a few hundred euros a year for a full program. There was another American younger doing his undergraduate program there and uh, he and his wife had moved to France just because it's so much less expensive. And actually I was part, I was very proud to support um uh, Campus France, Campus France, last year in a campaign that they did, you know, really promoting studying in France based on this angle, this avantage, this advantage of the cost being so much less. Now, part of why, uh, you know, there are a lot of different reasons why it's so much less, um, you know, the, the programs are different. Some of them, you know, you can see the difference um, in so far as, you know, um, some of the technology at school. Um, but also it's just, you know, a lot of why the, the cost is so much less is because as many of you have maybe heard me say before, France has more of a socialist structure to the way that it's run. It's not a socialist country, but it has more of a socialist structure. Um, insofar as the way it's run and managed is concerned versus a more uh, capitalist structure that we find in the United States. So, right, if you tell a French person how much it costs to go to college in the United States, they just, they just, I mean, it's just completely crazy to them. And, you know, as a reminder, this, I'm getting a tiny bit off topic, but also remember that Anytime, you know, when I describe these sort of differences where, you know, it costs so much less to go to school here than in the States, um, part of this, too, is you have to look at the way the way um, France, the country, is financed, its structure as far as Social Security charges, taxes. So, you know, there are other ways in which we tend to pay more into um into the, the infrastructure of the country here in France than Americans do in the United States. However, there are absolutely its advantages, such as the cost of education. And donc, voilà mes beautés. And so there you go, my beauties. Merci d'être là. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your questions. Please send in more. Next week's episode, um, I have a theme already in mind for you that I'll talk about. And then I will also absolutely answer more of your questions as I did in this episode. But again, like I said, the questions were so great. As you just heard, I wanted to just devote a whole episode to them as a reminder also to you that that uh, I am open to all of your questions. Je vous embrasse. I send you a big kiss. Et je vous souhaite une très belle journée. And I wish you a very beautiful day.